0: next
1: chapter podcasts
0: members of the fleece army lend me your ears i want to tell you that i just can't get enough of the play on podcast series from next chapter podcasts what is play on well i'm guessing you probably heard of the one and only billy shakespeare play on is an incredible new way to experience shakespeare's classic plays updated by award-winning playwrights brought to life with amazing original music and sound design now, the Play-On team has tackled some of old Billy's most intense stories like Coriolanus and King Lear. But thankfully, since the world is such a goddamn nightmare right now, they've decided to lighten things up a little with their newest series, an adaption of one of Shakespeare's most beloved comedies, Twelfth Night. But instead of taking place in some ancient, obscure time and place, the team has set the story in the golden age of radio. And the cast features Amy Brenneman from HBO's The Leftovers, FX's The Old Man, and the Michael Mann movie Heat. How do you make jokes in a story from 400 years ago still funny and interesting? Well, you'll have to listen to Play On Podcasts wherever you get your pods. Or go to ncpodcast.com to learn more. Now, back to the show.
1: 500, the 500 J.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing too new Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The King of these for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end my man
0: Jim On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end The song is Fortunate Son. It's by Creedence Clearwater Revival. It's from the 1969 record, Willie and the Poor Boys. It's also number 309 out of 500 on The 500 with Josh Adam Meyers. That is me. Follow me on all social media at Josh Adam Myers, or go to joshadammyers.com for tickets. Uh, I've got a lot of great shows coming up. We're doing jams. I'm on the road. I'll be in Montreal uh, for the Just For Laughs Festival July 20th through the 31st. I've got jams in New York. I got jams in LA. So go to my website and get tickets. Uh, Before I go any further, I want to thank everybody that came to see me at the DC Improv. uh, I think it was a week or so ago. Um, I, record, I record these intros uh, way in advance sometimes. Uh, so the people that came to the DC Improv to see me, we sold out every show. Uh, huge thanks to Antoine, huge thanks to Allison at the DC Improv. Steve Buckhance, my buddy from the Wizards, I love you. All my friends that I got crabs with, uh, not the sexual ones, the delicious blue ones, uh, thank you. And uh, the goddamn comedy jam at the 930 Club was a dream. It was a dream come true. I've seen so many bands there. So to be able to do the jam at such a legendary music venue uh, that I've grown up going to uh, meant the world to me. So thank you to everybody that came. I've got great photos. Thanks to my buddy, Josh. And uh, we got video. We're going to be posting them shortly, I guess, but it rules and come to my live shows. Come support, a lot of cool shit's happening. You can see me almost every night of the week at the stand and the Comedy Cellar and the New York Comedy Club in New York City. And once a month, I'm in LA doing the jam and doing my main room shows, Shimmy Shimmy ya. So come out, come to a show. And if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, thank you, subscribe. Also join the Patreon for $5 or more a month. We will read your questions to our guests. So support the show patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast and you'll get stuff a little bit early too we post videos to YouTube every Thursday you get them on Wednesday on the Patreon so join the Patreon alright Creedence Clearwater Revival Born on the Bayou God I can, I can kill Fogarty I've got the Fogarty Skogarty somebody's mad at me they're like why is he talking in that weird language again you know who doesn't hate when I do that, my guest today, Jenny Johnson. You know Jenny from At Midnight. You know her from Drunk History. You know her from Fox's The Mick. She's also one of the funniest people online, on Twitter, on Instagram. She is a comedic genius and uses that platform perfectly. And she has an incredible podcast called Doing It with co-host Danny Zucker. And this ban is her favorite this was a fun one and we recorded it on fourth of july after many attempts it finally happened rate review and subscribe to the 500 follow me at josh adam Myers on all social media go to josh adam for all tickets email the podcast at 500podcasts at gmail.com follow the facebook group run by crazy evan and for all things 500 go to the website the500podcast.com all right Clear Clearwater, number 309, Willie and the Poor Boys. Booyah. Holy shit. What up? We're fucking doing it.
2: Let's do it. <laughs> What's going on,
0: Josh? I, I, I'm surprised this is happening because we've, we've bumped and moved and scootled and toodled.
2: all and we're the are doing it. And, and on the 4th of July.
0: Which I feel, which I feel like is is uh, apropos for a band like <laughs> Creedence Clearwater Revival because this is like th- if there's anything, it's like people think they're so pro-American and yeah. yet and like they're the most like anti-American, like man, fuck America, like you know, but they're like
2: nah, but like you know, I'm only do you do, and everybody's yeah. like,
0: everybody's <laughs> into it.
2: Yeah, it's so misleading to people that don't listen to lyrics. Like, how many people, presidents or something, will play Fortunate Son as their song, and then John Fogarty has to swoop in and go, No, no, guys, no. No, I <laughs> know. That's, it's, it's, that's, it's, that, that's like an anti Vietnam song.
0: <laughs> like, it's
2: anti war.
0: It's that song, Born in the USA. What else? What are the other? Um, uh, I won't back
2: down, Tom Petty.
0: Barbie Girl by Aqua. <laughs> That's very, very anti-American. Um, Pop That le- Pussy,
2: 2 Live Crew.
0: A fucking uh, so, Bands yeah. That Make Her Dance by yeah. Juicy J. Anybody from <laughs> 3-6 Mafia. Wait, before we go in, I've got to ask, because we're recording yeah. now. We're just doing this. Okay. Um, All right. how is, you, is your dog okay?
2: Oh, yeah, he's fine. He just has skin allergies, and I have to get his medicine. It's not <laughs> it's not a fireworks thing, <laughs> as most people my dog was, has like Armageddon on, you know, Fourth of July.
0: I, I've so many people have like dogs that like go bananas. And I was at a party one Fourth of July. I think my dog was like one or two. And I brought her to this party in, in Studio City. And, and they were like, Do you want to give the dog CBD? Because we have all the dogs in here. And just to let you know, like, yeah. you know, they, they do freak out. And everybody else's dog was like going fucking like, Yeah. Right. And Lekko was just chill, just <laughs> a Buddhist monk.
2: That's how uh, my dog Dewey totally fine with it. Now, I had a basset hound for 14 years named Lady Bird Johnson. Thank you. And she was chill as fuck, but let the fireworks start. And she was like, Oh, let me go scare pee on the floor in the kitchen and go hide in the pantry. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what happened to you? Like, 364 days out of the year, she's totally chill. Then it was just, and I love when people would tell me, like, hey, try have you tried a, a Thunder shirt? You know, like these Thunder shirts. That are oh, like, I've seen them. I was like, the only thing she hates more than fireworks was wearing clothes. So, like, that would be the worst thing I could do to her. I don't like,
0: understand that. The, my buddy Avery used to wrap his dog in an ace bandage during the 4th of July. And they were like, and they'd, like, hold it. Like, please tell
1: me the pictures. of this. <laughs> I,
0: I could get one. I'll send it to you. Yeah, I was, he's, I'm going to need to see but, that. But also he's like he's just like they're like weird. Not I'm gonna say they're weird parents. They're very they're great parents. They're just like super hypersensitive about everything. And so what Uh, they did with their dog, they're now doing with their kids. And it's like
2: it's like an ace bandages. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, all right, you're gonna go to school. There's gonna be bullies. So just whenever you feel it, just take this knee brace, put it over your neck. And just put your mouth through the circle in the middle of the knee brace and you'll be fine. Like get the fuck away from me. I think my dog has a skin disorder now too.
2: Yeah. Mine. Um, I feel like my dog and I like, I have seasonal allergies just like, you know, many people do, but when my allergies are bad, my dog's allergies are bad. It's like we've turned into ET and Elliot, you know, like whatever I feel, he feels (laughs) like anytime I'm like, I wake up, my eyes are watery. I look and he's extra scratchy. So yeah. it's just whatever's in the environment.
0: Uh, that, well, that's what you want. That's what you want. You want a dog that is you and you yes. are the dog. And so if you, that's what I always say to people, if if the dog is crazy, then the uh-huh. owner is crazy. And if the dog's chill, that means, and, and Lekka's chill as fuck because I've become so subdued as I've gotten older, yeah. which it's like my first dog when I was 24, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like me. It loved fucking staying
2: up late, doing coke, right. You
0: know, like
2: <laughs> it was a fun st- it was a party dog. I had a dog like that too. <laughs> he yeah, man. Like, hey, I'm gonna run some shit by you too, Hank. Just sit down. I had a lab that would just stay up all night with me.
0: <laughs> so I was so here, let's let's cause I have so many questions about you. I think one of the first times I met you was we were both doing a festival in Houston and uh God, yeah. who who was it that brought you up? It was something. Oh, Bun B. Yeah, my buddy. Lit, Legendary rapper, yeah. Houston legend. So before we even get into Credence, like <laughs> tell, tell the audience, because I know a lot of people know who you are, but like tell the audience, like wh- like where were you brought up and like what's your uh, like background?
2: So my background was, um, so I grew up in Bay City, Texas, just south of Houston. Um, I went to college at Sam Houston State University. I have a broadcast journalism degree. I became a sports producer. I was in Austin, then San Antonio, kind of switched over to doing news, to Houston, um but the whole time on the side I was always trying to do do comedy but I was just like I didn't know how to really get into it it was like it was like an outlet for me I would do a lot of writing like write for like kind of freebie magazines around town write some comedy column or something yeah and it was Twitter of all things I mean but back when Twitter was fun you know like now everyone is having the worst day of their life every day when they get on Twitter yeah but this was back when you could just I'm like Oh, okay. I get on Twitter. I'm like sitting in a newsroom in Houston. I start just writing jokes, you know, on my phone. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, cool. I got a hundred followers. Oh, I got, you know, all of a sudden I had, you know, 300,000 followers just from writing jokes on Twitter. And from that I ended up like, you know, people took notice and I got an agent manager and I started like, Hey, let me start telling those jokes on stage and see if they work. Mm-hmm. And I wrote some pilots that, you know, went nowhere, but whatever people bought them. And, <laughs> um, but my, my time, so that's kind of like what led me to being here today and in, in Hollywood and, you know, working and as a writer and as a standup, but like my, when I was in Houston, of course, like I did a bunch of things around town. I would like host events and, you know, I was like, so I got to know people like Bunby and like players from the Houston Texans and rockets and astro like, you just kind of yeah. get to know the the community and and I'll be honest with you like when I first met Bun it was at this awards thing in Houston and I grew up a huge UGK fan (laughs) like everyone was so like that was like huge for me to even meet Bun and then all of a sudden him and I become buddies and like we started going to Texans games together Rockets games and go out to dinner with him and his wife and like we just became buddies so when I was doing that festival in Houston and I I texted him and told him and I was like yeah if you want to introduce me (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure the audience will love it more than they will my stand up. And sure enough, the place like fucking erupted uh,
0: bananas. Here's yeah. And you know, what's funny about that? They, do you know the comic Joe DeRosa? Mm-hmm. You know, Joe, so Joe, we do, he'll do the jam, that goddamn comedy jam. And every yeah. time we're doing it in a different state, he's always like, like we've done it in Austin. Mm-hmm. He was like, I want to do one arm scissor by the band. Oh, I can't think of their fucking name. Relationship command jesus christ at the drive-in my god anytime i this happens to me all the time anytime (laughs) i have a thought it's like right there and it's like i i space out he wanted to do a song because he was like they'll appreciate us doing the band uh at the drive-in because they're from texas and then when Mm -hmm. we were in houston uh he wanted to do ghetto boys oh yes Uh, my mind is playing tricks on me and i like there, some people went and the same thing that happened in Austin, yeah. a lot of people were like, hey, I mean, this is pretty cool, but, but it wasn't like, he yeah. thought people are going to be like, fuck yeah. Right. <laughs> and no one gave a shit.
2: Yeah. I did. There was a, there's a music festival, the free press music festival. That's um, this magazine puts on in Houston every year. And one year they were like, okay, the, the, it's a three day festival. I was like, they sent me the lineup and said, we want you to introduce a band. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Here's here's the lineup. Oh, by the way, this is the ghetto boys reuniting for the first time in how many years? And I was like, Well, that's who the fuck I'm introducing. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? And I mean, I got there and I was like, I cannot believe like and, and Scarface had followed me for a long time. Like we followed each other, so did Willie D, but I had never met them before. And I remember Bushwick Bill, RIP, was running yeah. insanely late. To, like, and, and this is a music festival. There's a, a scheduled really? amount of time, <laughs> you know. A,
0: a drug, a, a drug addicted midget,
2: really <laughs> right. running yeah. late. No way. But the, like my dumbass, I remember like Two Chains was on one of the like the stages, and he comes over because he wants like everyone. Like if you would have seen the the crowd of people waiting to see the Ghetto Boys for the first time. And everyone's like, I can hear like the panic from all the promoters. Everyone, where's Bill? He's on his way. He said he's going to be here in however much time. And I remember Willie D was like, he's wearing a black t-shirt. He had Dickies and he had a black bandana that he had tied around his face. It was like the most intimidating thing. And there's Scarface and they're talking to each other. And I walk up and get in their huddle, and I was like, here's the great news. I know all the lyrics. So if he doesn't make it, I've got this <laughs> shit. <laughs> and I just heard a Willie D look, all I could see was his eyes was like, no. That was like, swing and a miss, Johnson. That was not a good joke. <laughs> but what we ended up doing was like, I'm like, I went out, I introduced Scarface, because they all have their own individual albums. So like yeah. he played some of his stuff, and then Bushwick Bill ended up making it. It was great. Everyone lost their shit. But that, that's awesome. like, that's the cool thing about Houston is like, there's so much different type, you know, I think a lot of people kind of give Houston a bad rap because you just think it's like some conservative oil town, but it's like, it's not, it's like a really artistic, open-minded yeah. city. And yeah. And you know, it's, it was, that was one of the most fun things. (laughs) There's actually a video of it on YouTube. My friend uh, who's a documentary filmmaker filmed me walking out to like introduce the ghetto boys. Oh, That's That's awesome.
1: Hey, this is Scott from flying the call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or the Wonder years or band on the rise, like Spanish love songs, origami angel, or meet me at the altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band and more as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.
0: Hey you, did you have any plans this year? 020-d.com, soundtalentmedia.com or on your favorite podcast app. Yeah. That's that's awesome. so then so then how like does Creed it cuz it sounds like hip hop. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's just sounds like something that's I mean, even with me, it's like I, I mean, I love hip hop, I love rock music. And so I could I remember like when I was younger, it was like I only listened to rock and then when I started listening to hip hop, I was like no more rock, I'm done yeah. with that. It's only hip hop. And then when I got into high school, I was like, "Oh, you could listen to both." Yeah. So, like, what, what music were you listening to as a kid and, and I, your
2: team? I really oh. listened to, like, I truly did listen to everything. My, my dad was a big, he was a big music fan, and he was the one that, like, and, and my parents were, like, older when they had kids. Like, my dad and I, he's gone now, but, like, we were almost 40 years apart. Like, they, weighed, they were married for 15 years before they had kids, so. Mm-hmm. I Good had this them. like older, you know, like, I didn't even know what an eight track was. I had my parents' records and then cassette tapes. Like, yeah. you know, we missed that whole chunk of time. But my dad was just like, we would always listen to, you know, Willie Whalen. Um, you know, but Credence was one, like Janis Joplin. Like, I love listening to all his, like, like his music. And then my mom was like, you get in the car with her and it's just going to be Charday <laughs> all day. But I love that too. You know, like, I love easy listening you know, almost like yacht rock music too. Love it. I love yacht rock. And, Got it. and I'm like uh, now at this age, we're like, I'm, how old are you? I'm 44.
0: I'm 42. So we're okay. basically the same age. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so like, I don't even hardly listen to new shit anymore. I like, I'm the person that just rides around listening to lithium and, you know, backspin. I want to listen to all the old shit. Like yeah. I probably, I'm like, I'm sure I've heard a Taylor Swift song like in a department store or something, but it's not what I, I listen to. And, And so Credence was just like, I don't know what it was about John Fogarty's voice, the lyrics, like I, he just had this bluesy, like, you know, like everything, like everything about their music just, and it had meaning behind it too. It had good guitar riffs, it had good drums, like it was just, you know, everything about it just appealed to me. I remember like the first time hearing um, like Green River, like just the guitar riff of Green River blew my mind, like as a kid. And I just... So everything, it was always CCR for me. Like, and then I would say second to that would be traveling. Wilberries. Really? Yeah.
0: I did. Yeah, I I know like one song. I've never listened to that record all the way through. Oh,
2: it's so good. Just
0: banger <laughs> after banger, as the kids
2: say. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everybody oh, like, got somebody. That song fucking does slap. Yeah. I can't, I can't I, shit on it at all. It, not, I'm, even, I know there's somebody that's mad at me right now that says I haven't listened to it, but I just never did. I just never yeah, did. Yeah, it's
2: like I mean that was like the the super group that formed together with Bob Dylan. Uh, was it Bob Dylan, Bob, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, uh, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, Jeff Lynne?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's it's legends, and yeah. I, and it's coming up, I think, eventually, right, Adam, sooner than later on this podcast. Is it what the traveling willberries? Yeah, let me take a look. Here. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get you. You dig in, it's coming. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's, it's coming <laughs> up. I for well, credence yeah. for me, uh, because I still want to ask you more questions about how you got yeah. into it so much. Because I, because credence for me, it was somebody had their greatest hits record when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and we were me and my friends. Um, we're starting to venture into more Beatles, more Rolling Stones, more Led Zeppelin, yeah. and and then like Pink Floyd. And yeah. so somebody gave me the Greatest Hits, and I and so I listened to that, and I remember. Susie q yeah. sticking out so much because fortunate son is a great song i'm not yeah. taking anything away from that song it's a it's an incredible yeah. song but i think at the time it was just it was Susie q uh that i really loved and that was what i kept spinning and i didn't really dig so much into it uh until until really now where yeah. I, this is the first this is the first credence record that wasn't a greatest hits that i listened to all the way through yeah um but you... If, you if you want
2: another and i'll show i brought this because i have it framed cosmos factory you can see oh it wow yeah oh when that's I,
1: fucking dope
2: yeah actually i love when i first moved to la and i was like amoeba records what the fuck is this <laughs> and i went to amoeba you can get albums and oh, so yeah. i was like buying those and putting them in frames
1: oh that's so got, great
2: yeah cosmos well, factory is one i would highly recommend and they have as my dad used to always go like Oh, there's both rain songs because it's "Have you ever seen the rain?" and "Who will stop the rain?" Yeah. Both rain songs are amazing, and I mean, just everything. I don't know, like every song to me is good. I "Heard it through the grapevine." You know, like John Fogarty wrote "Proud Mary," and Tina Turner made you know, like
1: made a famous.
2: But his version of "Proud Mary" is also badass. I "Heard it through the grapevine" when they, I mean, that's like it's just. Like, I don't know, like every, every song of theirs just really, really like has just such good lyrics and, and Willie and the Poor Boys, you know, like that's an awesome album too.
0: This was, so this was Run like, drum, like. <laughs> this was, this was a really fun record to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I immediately was like, cause I, what I do is, so I don't get because what I used to do on the podcast was each week before I would record an episode, I would just listen to and listen to and listen to one album so much. So where, where if at first I didn't like it, like yeah. I'd be like, hey, it's okay. The more I listen to it, the more I'd be like, oh, my God, this is so brilliant. And then that, that just leads to me coming on every episode being like, this album rules. Oh, my God, yeah. it's so great. It's a masterpiece. And I feel like if I, if I kind of spread out the listens now and I don't listen to it as much, I actually come in with real thoughts and I'm, and yeah. stuff that I liked and stuff that I didn't like. And so I put this one on. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll go like, all right, the next two months are going to be these albums that I have to record. So I'll slowly start listening to them. And I mm-hmm. guess it was on a trip up to, uh, up down, no down to Maryland. I put this on and I listened to it all the way through. And I was just, uh, fascinated by, yeah by the the songs that are on here because there's a lot of the stuff from their greatest hits. And then the ones yeah. that aren't uh are are just as good as the hits. But when yeah. I but when I posted, because this was a hard one to book. And yeah. and when I posted about Creedence Clearwater, uh is anybody a fan, you sent me a message saying they're your favorite band of all time.
2: Yes. Hands down. Like I've I've said this before and like anytime anyone's ever asked me this, like you can see it in any interview I've ever done. Like, yeah. School, like easy hands really down. ccr yeah I'm
0: so when did that start when did that start when did they go from being the like was it so you're saying your dad probably introduced this to you yeah right? he de-
2: he definitely did but i remember that there was three cassettes it was cosmos factory willie and the poor boys and then um i'm drawing a blank on the third but there was three cassettes we had and i just i mean i broke them where i had to take the pencil and you know screw <laughs> the cassette back in like so they it's just since i was a kid i mean they've just been my favorite band like I can't think of. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else that ever came close. Like, oh, Heart. I love the band Heart. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, yeah, I love Heart.
0: Don't uh, I have a wait? Don't I have a recording with her like this week?
2: You have Ann Wilson.
0: Wilson TBD to discuss Lucinda Williams' "Car Wheels on a Gravel Road," I believe. You know what song I really like by heart? The one that goes,
2: these dreams
0: are uh, yeah. when they close our
2: And you know that that's like one of the only songs that Nancy Wilson is lead vocals on. Ann Wilson really? is lead vocals on everything else. And Nancy's lead vocals on that because I think there was some like backstory to it where Ann was like had laryngitis or something that day. And like, so Nancy just sang. And I mean, that's one of their big hits, but. Yeah, Nancy, who's the lead guitarist and backup vocals, she's actually lead vocals on that one. I... I've seen in concert a million times. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've, I actually had Nancy Wilson on my podcast. Um, and my buddy Danny Zucker and I were are like the biggest diehard Heart fans. And she came like over to my house. And I've never been so like starstruck in my life that like, holy fucking shit, Nancy Wilson just walked into my house like, are you yeah. kidding <laughs> yeah uh, she's a she badass cool? well, she was bad she's she very, was... yeah she's very cool and like she follows me on everything and like we'll send oh. each other like she'll like send me a pro- yeah, like a direct message like lol at some horse shit that i post yeah <laughs> like, are you kidding me nancy wilson
0: <laughs> whoa told you this is a good episode But let's pump the brakes for a sec so I can tell you about another really funny show from Next Chapter Podcasts and the Midnight Gardeners League called Midnight Public Radio. Now, we've all probably been stuck in traffic on the way to work or on a road trip and flipped on NPR and been bored out of our skulls at some point, right? It's always pledge drives and stories about the deficit or human interest pieces on the guy who invented the ceiling fan. But why does it have to be like that? Like This American Life on Acid, Midnight Public Radio is a semi-improvised sketch comedy podcast that takes the world of stuffy, intellectual broadcasting and turns it inside out and backwards with each episode covering a different aspect of our world, featuring absurd characters and hilarious segments about things like illegal caterpillar racing, death conventions, and a riot at an old folks home. This is a show for everyone who's ever thought all things considered has a stick up its ass war sports, the culinary arts NPR has it all. So listen to midnight public radio, wherever you get your pods or go to midnight gardeners, com to learn more. And now back to the show. Who, who follows you? Because you have a huge following on, on Twitter and online. Like who, who has followed you that you've been like, Oh my God. If, I mean, obviously Nancy Wilson, but, but who yeah. else? Like, is there anybody else that was like, Holy the, shit, dude, this is fucking insane. The,
2: the ones that follow me are usually it's people that like, you know, like I love it when like a, a, you know, a comic that I look up to follows me. Like that's always cool. But it's, it's the like people that I don't expect. And and the one that sticks out and, and him and I are actually buddies now, but is um, Scott Kelly, you know, the astronaut that did a year in space. Yeah. When he was in space, I remember I had been following him on Instagram. And then I saw something on Twitter that was like CNN retweeted. It was right before he was coming back to Earth. And I was like, oh, I didn't know he had a Twitter account. And he followed like 20 people, and I was one of them. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why is it like this guy's like it was a Navy fighter pilot? And I'm like, he's actually an American hero. <laughs> And he's reading my dick jokes on Twitter. <laughs> Are you shitting me? And I sent him a direct message. I was like, oh, oh my God, I cannot believe. And I am also a big space nerd. I'm sure it has to do with growing up in Houston and constantly going to the Johnson Space Center. Yeah. And he sends me a direct message from fucking space. Like he direct messaged me from the international space. I still have it saved. I'm like, I cannot believe an astronaut <laughs> Follows me on Twitter.
0: I wish it was, I wish it was like a boomerang or like a dick pic or something. <laughs> but like, Cause you can see, like, I can imagine what your, what the, what your <laughs> balls are. Yeah. Your dick and your ball. Like if you really ever want to see what your, what your dick and balls will look like in space, just take, get take a bath and yeah. then just kind of like, just, just fill like- it up. Yeah, because it's like, you're. it's it's almost like the opening to a James Bond movie. Right. It's like, you know what I mean? Like your balls are
2: like, for your eyes only. You can do upside down little cartwheels. Like oh, this, it's right? insane,
0: dude. Take mushrooms, smoke some green, take a bath. See, these are the questions
2: that astronauts need to be asked more. Like everyone's yeah. like, how do you poop in space? Nobody cares. They figure that out. I want to know the crazy shit that y'all have done. Like... I want to know about jerking off in space. Like, does who does it? You have to jerk off in space, right? That's the I ultimate mean, mile high club. I mean, I mean like, it, yeah. He's there but for I, a year. I mean, come on. Right.
0: Could you imagine if he doesn't, what that fucking load is like when he <laughs> lands? You're talking, I've gone three days, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, my... God, and then I mean, just like a year, just all right. What are we talking about? Credence Clearwater. Right. Oh yeah. yeah right. <laughs> all right, here let's. I believe let's...
2: that's what one of their songs was about. If I'm not mistaken, turning uh, like, off.
0: Me with... Dude, that, you know that's very anti-American. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so here's a little here's a little doodad about the band, just for the people that don't know who Credence Clearwater is. Uh, CCR formed in the El Centro section of Northern California back when when some of the band was in junior high in 59. Guitarist and singer John Fogerty, pianist and later on bassist Stu Cook and drummer Doug Clifford originally formed as the Blue Velvets and played instruments in jukebox standards. Uh, they'd also serve as a backing band for John's older brother, Tom, who also played guitar. Tom would eventually join the band and they released three singles, one of which was picked up by Casey Kasem.
2: Oh, Casey.
0: Mm. I love Casey, Casey Kasem. Kasem, man. <laughs> yeah,
2: I love that voice too. Casey, You're, Kasem. you're
0: listening to Clean It's Clear Water Revival and I'm yeah. <laughs> (laughs) So he worked at a nearby KEWB in Oakland. The band signed a record deal with independent label Fantasy Records across the bay in 64. That's a suggestion of the co-owner of Fantasy Records. The band changed their name. This is terrible. The Gollywogs. Is that racist? (laughs) Because it says racist term, by the way. I I believe. I've never
2: heard that. Mean. Let me look up the history on that.
0: You fucking gollywog. There's somebody right now that's like that's like going to take
2: a clip of you saying this and just post it over (laughs) and over on TikTok. I mean racist ass Josh. uh, (laughs) Ah, fucking
0: gollywog, dude. Please don't tell me it's right What if it's like the meanest thing? I'm like Jesus (laughs) Christ. It's about it's about Philip. The fact that we've
2: never heard it, it's
0: got to not be that bad. I know, and but that also shows us like. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, saying "Golly, walk on the Fourth of July." You a, unpatriotic
1: yeah. motherfucker! Come on, yeah, but Jenny,
0: <laughs> it's also like I've heard all the racial slurs. Okay, that's not <laughs> one of them. where did you hear oh. them? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they've just been around. <laughs> Documentaries. All right, yeah. so. <laughs> So Gollywog, I'm going to stop saying it, uh, <laughs> 64, after the children's literary character. All right, where am I? Cook switched to bass at that point. Tom also, Tom also stepped back from lead vocals to make way for his brother. Tom said, I could sing, but John had a sound. That's backing up exactly. And yeah, yeah you you got, I mean, for someone like me who sings and has that raspy voice, it's, right. I, I, the people... Cause it is a huge thing about why this band is so good is he's, he's a white dude that has the rasp and can sing yeah. like a black dude. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, who is that? Who the fuck else was I just listening to? That's like famous. Oh, Elvis. Fuck it's Elvis. Yeah. Elvis yeah. Presley is, is literally the most famous white guy that, that became yeah. famous from singing like a brother. So
2: Oh, yeah. like, like, actually, when I was little and, you know, I just like when I started listening to CCR, I, I honestly thought John Fogarty was black. Yeah. Like, I truly did. And then there was something on TV one night, like, you know, one of those <laughs> back in the 80s, like a PBS special or something. And their CCR wasn't. I'm like, wh- it blew my mind. I'm like, that's that voice was coming out of that face. I did not expect that. No. But, like,
0: I did, I, I did but, not
2: see that coming. Listen, that's I felt like, the same way with Charlie Pride, too. I loved him. I did not yeah. see that coming.
0: <laughs> no, I completely. All right, where was I? So, blah, 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 blah. The band took a two-year break as John enlisted. Here you go. This is this is, this is where we're forming the mm-hmm. substance of the band. He enlisted to the Army Reserve while Doug signed up for the Coast Guard Reserves. A new owner took over the record label, hated the band's name, and it was changed to Credence Clearwater Revival. That's a good decision. They got their first big break on a national level. Here it is with their cover of suzy q from their self-titled debut in 68 they followed that up with bayou country in 69 proud mary and born on the bayou were successful singles and three months later they released two singles with their next release bad moon rising and lottie in august they released their third record what is it did i say it wrong
2: yeah,
0: Loda. Loda. Okay, I'm so stupid. Uh, <laughs> Lodi.
2: L- I'm a big fan of Annie Hall. Lodi da, yeah, yeah. da. It's actually a type of wine. Loda.
0: Lodi? Fuck yeah. yeah, dude. And they have their fifth album, Moscato. And i was <laughs> no, just kidding. In August, they released their third record, Green River. And it was the first album to hit the Billboard 200. They performed at Woodstock the same month and they got right back to the work work for today's record. All right. So here's our little blurb about this album. But also before I got even into that, I love the song Born on the Bayou. So fucking that's a song that I wanna sing with a band. Cuz yeah. I love everything about that song. I love that like that weird organ that's kind of creeping oh, it's in. It's so fucking good. And, and then that mm-hmm. and then you wanna talk about sounding like a black guy and the yeah. rasp, I, I don't, I, out of all the credence I've ever heard, I don't think anything really showcases how great John Fogarty's voice is then fucking born on the bayou. Yeah. Just the notes, he's yeah. in a higher register, he, the growl is there uh it it feels like it's it's like he's singing from his heart and about yeah. like his upbringing i'm assuming he's from are they from the bayou no they're from No, they're from
2: like northern california, california or something <laughs> yeah like everything about it doesn't make sense like nothing nothing adds up but it's somehow all of a sudden this voice comes out of a, a northern california dude's mouth you
0: know what you know what's funny jenny so this this is i get that i yeah. get i get kind of like positioning yourself. Cause all right, look, saying you're from Northern California is, you know, what, 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 San Francisco, you're a hippie. You're, you know, this is in this time, you know, you're, you're lazy, you're, or you're rich or whatever the fuck. And this band is a working class band. Everything about the way they dressed, the way they sounded, you know, uh, so, so when I was starting comedy, and I had I had lived in the in the suburbs of Washington, DC. And then I moved to Baltimore for about six years before I moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And when I got to LA, and everybody's like, well, where are you from? And I just said Baltimore because mm-hmm. I felt it added a character to yeah. what I was trying to do on stage. And and then it was the funny thing was I kept getting called out by my friends from Germantown, <laughs> Maryland, from the suburbs. We'd be like, yeah, yeah, Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore's <laughs> big comic. And yeah. now I feel like I've been on a on a uh, apology tour where <laughs> I am like every podcast. So like, so you're from Baltimore. I'm like, no, I'm actually and even Burr, when he brought me up on the, the Netflix things we just taped, he mm-hmm. says, you know, one of the badass comics from Baltimore. And I mean, I didn't correct him right. on television. I was just like, all right, I'm for fucking yeah. all that work of trying to get rid of that. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. All right, here you go. After three albums released in '69, they cooled. Wow, they released three records in
2: 1969. Yeah,
0: '69 uh, too. <laughs> 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 fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, nice. they, they 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 love they love uh, oral sex at the yes. same time and they're at in the hurry. Same time. Yeah.
2: The number you have reached is 100.7 It Wasn't just a radio station; it was a lifestyle.
1: is
0: oh. a rock and roll city for
1: sure. Oh. I do like. oh. Get! Get the Wrath
0: of the Buzzard. W-M-M-S. Demon. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe and I'm the singer in a band called the Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas. And we also have this great,
1: amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three.
0: Exactly. Um, uh, Adam, will you do me a favor and find out is is Creedence Clearwater Revival the hardest working band? Has anybody
1: else released? Well, they they've re- bro-
2: they've broken up. Like John Fogarty tours solo. They broke up a long time ago.
1: But I also really? think that was just the kind of the pace that like bands had to put albums out back in the '60s. I mean, you, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones—they yeah. were turning out a couple of year. I mean, that was just yeah. what it was back then.
2: Yeah, yeah, but it's also like a lot of bands did, but they weren't all winners. You know, <laughs> like it's just crazy to have like back to back to back fucking dope albums. I mean, that's something people can't do now. No. You know?
0: Nobody it takes it takes years, years. And now you have to go through a corporate structure where you submit the record. They yeah. go, okay, we don't really hear a single on here. So yeah. could you go back to the to the lab and kind of give us something? I, I mean nobody. Nobody's doing that anymore. And I but also I, I would think for the Beatles, for Credence, for Rolling Stones, for these bands they are probably hitting a stride where it's just like when you're writing material and you're like, you get a premise and you're like, Oh, I got another one too. Oh, I got yeah. another one. And then you just keep writing and next thing you know, yeah. you've got 15 new minutes. Uh, yeah. It's probably, they were just in the zone.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's exactly how it is because I'm sure you feel the same way. Like sometimes you, you do get in that zone and like over, I don't know about a year ago, I just went there. I, I got like, 25 minutes of new material that was good that was like worth a shit yeah. and then i went through like eight months of like god i can't fucking come up anything. with anything i've got nothing you know no. i'm just like drawn let me just try to tweak these and make them better because i've got nothing else new popping into my head
0: yeah and- and 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 for comics it's like we we have to keep writing because if we don't then we then we start doubting ourselves and yeah. so even if it's a shitty premise it's like oh okay well I'll try it at least but for the record yeah. labels Adam what did you find you made your money on record sales back then recording studio time was also super expensive back then so you had to be super productive and get your money's worth yeah i believe that yeah. um All right. So here we go. So they cooled their pace down to two albums in 70 with Cosmos Factory and Pendulum and still were achieving success with singles. The constant pattern of writing, recording, releasing albums and touring, plus John's domineering producing style was enough for Brother Tom to leave the band in 71. The band decided to continue as a trio. But after John was a sole songwriter for so long, the band took a democratic approach to writing and released one more album called Mardi Gras in 72. It bombed by their standards, peaked at only number 12 and went uh, certified gold. They embarked on a tour to support the record afterwards. They with deteriorating relationship and full spiral, they broke up for good six months after its release, Cook and Clifford continued as Creedence Clearwater revisited while Fogarty went on for a successful solo career. Wait, where is the stuff about this, this album? Uh let's see here I bet this one Here's the background on Willie and the Poor Boys. Uh, All right, we've been waiting for this. In the fall of 69, CCR was one of the hottest rock bands in the world, having scored three consecutive number two singles and the number one album, Green River. In addition, the group had performed at the landmark Woodstock Festival in August and made several high profile television appearances. Band leader and songwriter John Fogarty had assumed control of the band after several years of futility, But despite their growing success, the other two members, bassist Stu Cook and drummer Doug Clifford and guitarist Tom Fogarty, John's older brother, began to chafe under Fogarty's demanding autocratic leadership. The band's output in 69 alone, three full-length records, was staggering considering they were touring nonstop throughout. This is their fourth studio album released by the band and the third within a calendar year. Uh, Cosmos Factory came out nine months after today's record It was recorded at the Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California Willie and the Poor Boys made the top 50 and 70 In six countries, including France, where it reached number one In December 1970, the album went gold in the US Almost 20 years later in 1990, the album was certified platinum And two times platinum uh, this year, or the year 69 Had been a remarkable chart year for the band Three top ten albums, four hit singles, charting at number two, number two, number two, and number three. Oh, they couldn't get number one. We have three <laughs> additional charting B sides. Is this their best record?
2: Uh, I don't is Willie and the Poor Boys their yeah. best record? Yeah. I, my favorite is actually Cosmos Factory. Why? Um, I just more of the song like some of my favorite songs are on that one. So I like with although the the rain songs (laughs) as my dad and i talked about and Mm. then i don't know if you've ever heard long as i can see the light i haven't (laughs) amazing song like not to bring the party down but i'll tell you when i my basset hound that i actually had for 14 years when i had to put her down that's why I just played that song while, I, while like while that took place because uh, I was like oh that's something that like you know it meant something it's it's like his vocals in that it sounds almost kind of gospel churchy in a little way like it's really just such a beautiful song and then you can go to like run through the jungle if you have you ever heard that one?
0: Oh, yeah I mean uh, that's, like, that that's like in, that is, that's in every Vietnam movie it's like yeah. every <laughs> dude. I, and not to, this isn't shitting on them, but th- their music is so engraved yeah. in Vietnam in the late '60s, early yeah. '70s that it's like you can't get away with it. You're gonna make Platoon or yeah. fucking Full Metal Jacket. It's yeah. like you've got to put Fortunate Son. You've got to put uh, Run Through the Jungle. There's right. so many. It's they are they are music that is time stamped.
2: It truly is like when I when I was studying, I was a news producer and everything, and there'd be times like, okay, here comes our you know helicopter or Sky Eye helicopter. Yeah. Every time I hear those propellers, I was like, no, 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 no! Like I just kept hearing <laughs> CCR play because every time you hear the choppers, that's like I just think I'm watching the movie and the fucking cargo choppers coming yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but,
0: do you have any Do you have any ridiculous stories from when you worked in news? What What's the most like absurd, ridiculous thing that you experienced in that world?
2: Oh. God, there's so many that I probably can't tell. Like people that work in news are pretty, I mean, it's almost like comedians. Like we're so desensitized,
1: I you know, like imagine.
2: nothing because you just, it's just like, you're constantly seeing just awful shit. And you mm-hmm. almost just have to like make yourself laugh, like, because it's just, it can be, it can be too much. And shockingly enough i was the person that had to visit human resource lady all the time because I would... <laughs> and this buddy of mine we, like we would just every time there was like the first day of interns starting we just would we couldn't help it it was just too easy to fuck with them you know like like they just would be standing around just wide-eyed and everyone's everything moves so fast and just fast paced and then we would just like send each other direct messages in the newsroom and then he would like turn around and go hey jenny just Real, hey fuck you I fucking hate you and then go back to working and you just would watch their faces get so upset like is this what it's like to work in news <laughs> I was like you know what I hope you die today Adam how about that <laughs> like, every time all of a sudden you get that alert it's like you need to go to human resource lady's office we're like what do we do <laughs> we were just trying to bring some joy into the fucking newsroom
0: <laughs> we're, but, we're talking about a mass shooting guys right. Come on.
2: or like you would have you know, like when you're in the in the booth or something it's like okay off the top here's the reporter and i could see the live shot i'm talking to the reporter in my ear and then something bigger happens and i'm like hey you're not the lead story anymore there's an apartment fire in southwest houston and then you just watch the reporter go fuck fuck <laughs> <laughs> Like you just, all of a sudden you just remove yourself from these horrible things that are going on in the world. And it makes it hard sometimes though, to watch like any show that's about news. Like I was watching the morning show that's, you know, the Jennifer Aniston thing. And and I can't help, but watch it from a perspective of like, that would never happen. There's no way that would never happen. A person like they don't even hold their microphones that way. Like that's not, you know, like you, you get nitpicky about watching other people do the job that you once did.
0: Yeah. What about the movie broadcast news? Is it that something is like such that? Really? <laughs> no. I watched that. I watched that on the flight to Los Angeles a couple months yeah. ago. And I, I mean, I was like, this is such a great movie, but yeah,
2: it's a great I, movie, but that is not at all. Like it's just not at all the way it is. I mean, like one of the, I, I say the, for a funny story, one of the funniest things to me was I was working at, in Houston at a station And I was producing the 10 o'clock news that night. And I remember I would take my lunch break around like seven o'clock or something at night. And I remember coming back and there was just this, the longest line around the building. I had not seen the memo yet that they were holding auditions for chicks to be on the bachelor. And it was like, I mean, it was just everything. Like if you just wanted to see like how not to raise your daughter, just go stand in that line and <laughs> we're like walking in. I was like, I've never, it looked like the floor of a titty bar. There was body glitter everywhere. Like it was just <laughs> like somebody just squirted fucking body glitter all over the floor of the lobby. And like, this is, and then of course, every dude that I work with is like, I need to go walk by the lobby and see it <laughs> <laughs> and like, let me go. There's my picture in a frame. I'm just going to go stand by it and see if anyone notices. Me, I'm on TV.
0: It's what we do. Jesus Christ, guys. It's terrible.
2: I had more, like, there's more funny stories, obviously, like, being when I was a sports producer, because I would have to go to all the games and, like, be in the locker rooms and shit like that for interviews. So that was always, for my immature ass, it was really difficult for me to be in a locker room doing an interview with just a wiener marathon just walking past me the whole time and you're like look at a point on the wall don't look don't look down yeah. don't look at it don't look yeah, at yeah, it yeah.
0: <laughs> not me i'd be staring i if there's if i'm in a if i'm in a locker room like at the new york sports club i go to yeah. every time i don't i I don't have i don't you know change there or anything but i do use the bathroom you have to walk through the locker room if yeah. there's naked dudes i'm fucking looking at their dicks
1: oh.
2: i am
0: i it's i'm not gonna like touch it or i'm not it's not no. a gay thing i'm just like
2: Hey, nice. there's a dick you look at it like i would look at it too but i was like don't stare and i'm in like professional sports like nba locker rooms like this is like a whole other level of dick you know like I, yeah. I, there was one reporter that i i worry he didn't work with me but like we all walk out of the locker room it was after the san antonio spurs won the championship and i just remember he walked out with his head down he goes i need to call my wife and apologize <laughs> <laughs> Was like, it was like a car wash in there. There was fucking champagne and jumping up and down seven foot tall guys. Oh. Like, oh my God. That is. All right,
0: I. This is the question I got to ask. Uh-huh. I have to ask this because uh, I've heard stories like somebody told me they once saw Vladimir Guerrero's dick uh-huh. uh, and they said his penis was so big he could swing it between his legs and catch it in his butt cheeks. <laughs> so
2: i i heard okay yeah now
0: please because you i don't even have to ask the question because you know exactly what i know exactly
2: what you're gonna ask now i didn't see this individual but this is the one that i've heard that every like this guy i worked with straight up he was like i saw michael irvin in the locker room and he could use that shit as a belt i'm not even kidding (laughs) Like, like yeah he was like it was just one of the most like how could you not he goes everyone i mean was like are you sure? Sh- <laughs> How is this real? Is this a joke? You know, like, should I fucking pet it and, like, take a picture? <laughs> that was the one that I heard, but there's been uh i won't name names but that was the one that of all the people that i worked with who i know have seen it all that that was everyone was like michael irvin whoa michael like irvin. no wonder he yeah. has such confidence no. oh for sure <laughs>
0: well, that's why you don't become a great receiver with a fucking little little yeah. dad. you gotta but i'm like
2: how do you run that fast like if that's, <laughs> that's
0: bundle it mean. up tie it in a knot you know what i mean yeah. it's sticking it in not. that <laughs> yeah, yeah, but put a button it in a bow, you know. I believe Michael Irvin has a dick. You know what's so funny? I was I was doing a show last night at the New York Comedy Club, and I'm doing crowd work, and I, and this way this guy is sitting. I was like, you probably have the way you're sitting. It's like I can tell you just, you're just packing heat. And then mm-hmm. I keep going, and then I go back to him, and I and I say like, you know, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, what are you just gonna keep making fun of me? And I was like, how is saying you have a big dick making fun of you? Right. If anything, I'm 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 building you up for all the right. girls in here. And he was, and it, it, like the audience is loving that. And then he kind of like, it's seen seen his face like, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> you haven't said anything mean about it. I was like, I know, dude. Like, People are just have so you hyper- never
2: truly been made fun of before, dude? <laughs> because yeah. that's not what this is. This is a compliment.
0: I know. I said something along the lines like, yeah, it's like, dude, the comic just wouldn't stop shitting on me. He said I had a high credit score, um, <laughs> um, 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 a super sweet guy, and have yeah. a huge penis. Like, this guy's an asshole.
2: You know, an right. Honest face, huge cock. I mean, what a huge dick. cock.
0: <laughs> All right. Because there's fans right now that are getting mad at us. So we're talking about dicks and not CCR. I can oh, already okay. tell. All right. No, no, no. This, I, I took us there. This is where I bet I John
2: Fogarty has a huge dick. How about that? Huge dick. Yeah. <laughs> huge
0: dick. So does Stu. Yeah. You don't have a name like the Gollywogs or whatever. Yeah. If you not If you're not packing heat. So you said you like the songs that are on the other record more than I this like one. the
2: songs on all of them. But I would say, like, if you know, back against the wall, I would say Cosmos Factory is always my fave.
0: I mean, this has this has you know, just let's talk about the sequencing of this record. They're opening up with Down on the Corner, which. Great song. I I think it's kind of like when I when I listen to this record, the two songs that are the most popular on it, in my opinion, are the ones that I kind of want to skip over the most. Like Uh, I I like Down on the Corner. I I think it's an incredible song. And I love Fortunate Son, because like I said, it's it's when you think of the 60s and the 70s, you think of this song. But I am drawn to. Uh, I'm drawn to uh, it, it. Came out of the sky. I'm drawn cotton fields. I fucking love. Yeah, Midnight
2: Special is one of my
0: faves too. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's such a fun. Just the way he starts it. Where well, you have yeah. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, Midnight Special is great. Uh, I, then I'll say my favorite song. Don't tell me yours yet because we're gonna ask you at the end. Okay. But I, when I heard Feeling Blue. That was the one that I like, I immediately started and I was like, oh, this is it. This is, I am now a Creedence Clearwater fan because of this song, because now I've got a deep cut that's not popular. It's There's nothing special about Feeling Blue, but it is so catchy. It is so, just if you don't listen to feeling blue and and don't hum it for the next day then you don't know anything about music and you don't know anything about happiness because it is in my opinion a perfect song it's simple It, it i don't know what the fuck they're singing about i'm assuming here adam do you have a little doodad about it
1: not find much on that one, but I love the intro to that song. It's got like a real nice groove to
0: it. This is what Adam literally wrote in my script. I couldn't find much about this song, but the <laughs> intro is badass and the groove has a similar feel to Born on the Bayou. Ooh, Adam, you're doing great, bro. <laughs> Just... <laughs> All right, so we got to talk about the two hits down in the corner. So this song tells the story of a fictional jug band, Willie and the Poor Boys, who were street musicians playing for nickels. can't be beat. Just as the Beatles took the role of Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club band, Credence became Willie and the Poor Boys for this album. Ooh, I like that. And this is the only song that played to the concept but CCR appeared on the cover as the fictional band, uh, and Willie and the Poor Boy's persona suited the group as they really were a basic, hardworking band who paid their dues before hitting it big. They sold, excuse me, the Jug Band theme live by performing the song with a washtub bass and washboard. Could you find that, Adam? Could you find that video? that's always
2: amazing to see when you see oh, like a washboard
0: with they yeah, put yeah, the gloves yeah.
2: on and everything. Uh, <laughs> i
0: didn't know there was i didn't know they, they had gloves i just thought they had like a pick or something
2: oh no there's these like gloves it looks like some uh like freddy krueger shit like these weird gloves and then they scrape oh. them across the oh. washboard
0: god bless their soul this yeah. song peaked at number three in the billboard hot 100 uh fortunate sun reached number 14 uh Fogaree did all the sinning Singing, uh, John Fogerty claims the bassist, Stu Cook couldn't play the bass properly for the song. They spent <laughs> six weeks rehearsing it, uh, and they finally got it done in the recording session. Um, wow. Fortunate Son, there you go. Beginning aside, yeah. too. two, what a start, as yeah. Adam would say. What a start. <laughs> uh, this ranks at number 227 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 2021 list of the 500 greatest songs of all time proud mary is number 152 this reached number 14 on the chart as the b-side to down on the corner which reached number three uh this was added to the library of congress in 2013. so this is basically fogarty and doug uh kind of singing about being uh about enlisting in the reserves in 66 to avoid being drafted and shipped to vietnam Uh, let me read this little part but i got a question for you the song speaks more to the unfairness of class than war itself it's the old saying about rich men making war and poor men having to fight them uh julie nixon was hanging around with da- david eisenhower the former president's grandson and you just had to have the feeling that none of these people were going to be involved with the war do you, when do you think this fortunate son is the most important anti-war song ever made and if there, and if it's not what other songs like i know we mentioned born in the usa yeah but but like i don't think there's a song that when you think of 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 like of war i'm not going to say the best but i'd say the most popular
2: yeah it's one that's been in so many i mean i like you think about Forrest Gump, it was in Forrest Gump. It's been, like, yeah. it's been in so many, so many movies as an anti-war song. And then of course it still makes me laugh that people play it thinking it's a pro-war song, you know, like, how do you not, <laughs> it's the most like, I think confusing song for some people, but I do think that it, you know, maybe I'll think of something in like six hours when we're done I'll go, no, Oh shit, there's another song. <laughs> but I, I actually do. I think it's, it's just one of the, uh, it's a song that every time you hear it, you can't help but hear the fucking Choppers. Like, it takes you right to a place of, like, Vietnam.
0: Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the world. Listen and subscribe at Sound Talent Media. Yeah, but why is it? What is it about this song? Because uh, like, this is a song that's so critical of the government that makes politicians almost want to co-opt it. Like, why are they? Why are they using this? Why are they using "Born in the USA"? I understand "Born in the USA" because of that chorus, right. but like, why? Why are? Why are other people that this is like they, they don't even get it? Like, I, I feel like it's being laid out so perfectly. But so many people are like, oh no, this is, I'm going to play this at my rally. Like,
2: Right. I, I don't know why people just like, just play Kid Rock and Ted Nugent at your rally. <laughs> like, you know, they're not going to come back and go, hey dude, don't do that. Like, yeah. just But everyone, I love that people just keep taking that gamble. And it's like, you must have the worst publicist people working for you. If that slipped through the cracks and y'all push play on fortunate sign, like how does no one... I just feel like how, like just the ignorance of people or the, maybe the arrogance and ignorance of people to think that, Oh, this, they'll be flattered that I'm playing this song and yeah. not instead of going, no, you know, music, clearly you're not a music fan because you're not paying attention to the lyrics. You haven't done your research. That song <laughs> is the opposite. It's the
0: opposite. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Do you consider credence a political band?
2: Yeah, I really, I don't think they're a political band. I think that they're just a great band, but I think that they had become a political band because of how many times John Fogerty has to come forward and say, stop playing our fucking song. Yeah. You know, if that's the only time it's really in politics is because of how many times that song is used and he has to come back and say, stop using the song. You know, it's, if, he, if if people weren't constantly doing it, I don't know that I would consider them like a, Political band. I just think they're like a kind of a bluegrass, bluesy country. Like I don't know. They're they're to me kind of their own little genre of music. But I I don't know that I would say it's political.
0: Who do you think they've influenced? Like out of the bands that have come after them, like what what where what where do we like who do we get because of them?
2: Stillwater from Almost Famous. Fever <laughs> <laughs> <Thieve a> down. <laughs> I mean, the first time I saw that, I was like, they're just being credence. Like, that's exactly, they look like them and everything they dress like them. (laughs) <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I love you That's, That was a perfect answer
2: Yeah uh, I really don't know I mean I would say that That particular like fictitious band um, I'd
0: say Bruce I'd say Bruce Springsteen for sure yeah, I'd say you gotta put Bruce Because yeah. I know Bruce was probably Already making music and, and Adam correct me if I'm wrong But I feel like Bruce was already pretty active In New Jersey at the time But he hadn't broken yet um, Am I right or am I wrong Because I don't know when Born on the Born to Run no, you're, you're on the right path though yeah, I'd say him. I would say, fuck, man. Tom he's Petty,
2: troubling. Tom Almond Petty brothers.
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say. I, did you say Public Enemy? Because I, said I would brothers. All Br- Br- Public yeah. Enemy too. Huh? Brothers. I, I would yeah. put. I would say. I would. You know, we've we've pitched out to get Chuck D on, and Chuck D. You know, yes, he's doing hip hop, but I yeah. also feel like, oh fuck, Rage Against the Machine.
2: They're, we could it, a, boom. <laughs> I can email. ask Tom.
0: I bet you Tom. I bet you Tom fucks with them. Like, how can oh, you yeah. not? How yeah. could you not? When you make a song that's so perfectly political, without it's like it's it's. Uh, I mean, maybe "Fortunate Son" is kind of ramming it down your throat a little bit. It's like it's that's why it's so ridiculous that a politician would use it. You're like, yeah.
2: Like, how do you not fucking see it? You're right. But that 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 makes it even sadder. That's how dumb politicians are that yeah. they can't even see a song lyric and these are the people making choices <laughs> that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And terrifying. Um uh, but Almond Brothers is a good one cuz I definitely think that there's a there has to be some level of influence from CCR.
0: Sure. Um, also, I also think that, you know, and maybe I'm right or, or I'm wrong about this, but I also feel like, you know, when you're writing the character of the dude from Big Lebowski, <laughs> it's like, I wouldn't be shocked if the Coen brothers were probably listening to well, CCR. Don't remember
2: CCR was all over that, that yeah. movie, like when he's like smoking that fucking roach and he's just like banging on the ceiling <laughs> of his piece of shit car. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was looking out my back door was a song that he was listening to.
0: Do you think, do you think John Fogarty could like outsmoke a uh, Snoop dog?
2: I'd like to see it. Honestly, oh, <laughs> I'd, man. I'd like to be a part of that. That would be dope.
0: Now I, 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 for, from you get a voice like that. Like I, yeah. to have my voice, I started smoking Marlboro Reds uh and weed at a very very young age 13 until about 20 i think i switched to lights probably by about you know 19 and then i had like a run with newports for a little bit yeah you should actually
2: make like a like a like a diet of smoking for people to get your voice because you have a great voice
0: you also need to take opiates and you need to vomit a few times there you you go really (laughs) you really dude and it's it's crazy all right, it's a regimen that you
2: have to follow in order to sound like you. It,
0: it's, it's people try to do impersonations on me, Jenny, and I'm like, no, nah, it's not right. Because everyone,
2: how, every impersonation, does it, is it just a person going, "Hey, look at me, I'm Josh." I wait, they just do
0: it. <laughs> yeah, Big J Okerson will go like, "Hey guys, it's me, Josh." It's like <laughs> it's and then and what I do is when when I'm on Bonfire or Legion of Skanks and they start making fun of my voice in that way, I just join in
2: yeah and start like, talking
0: like that i'm like yeah that's me everybody here we go scoodily doo scoodily dan. <laughs> all right we got a patreon question this is from jeremy brindling the drummer doug clifford said in 2013 connected to the band's insane three albums in one year output fogerty told us that if we were ever off the charts then we would be forgotten when have you felt the need to speed up or slow down your efforts or work?
2: Um, always every day. Like, really? Yeah. I'm like the person that, you know, like I have a good stand-up set. I'm walking back from the comedy store and I'm already thinking about, Oh, I need to get more shit book next week. Yeah. Like I, I'm trying to learn to be more like, enjoy having a good set and like enjoy the success for that that moment but i'm always just like it's never good enough i'm i'm constantly wanting the next thing
0: yeah i I mean well especially in in you know in our profession and probably in musicians too is that talent only takes you so far yeah you know it there are and i'm not going to name the names of there are some people that are very very successful that are mediocre comics but if you talk to any of the other comics that are contemporaries with these mediocre comics that have gone on and reached that same level, they will say that person was networking. That person was doing this was doing that. And, and I, I say to certain friends that I have that are extremely talented, if you don't, put out content and you yeah. just rely on the word of mouth and your talent to get you to the place that you want to get, you're never going to get there. Cause there's somebody else yeah. that is going to fucking work 10 times harder. And they're not nearly as funny as you.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I've seen those comics that are like hustlers, you know, they, they don't stop. Like you just, you know, after a show they're handing out flyers. They're like, I mean, they just, they don't stop. And then I look, and I'm like, God, man, I need to get my shit together. Yeah, But, is that my style to sit there and make flyers to hand out? I don't know. I probably feel weird doing it. I know.
0: I know. It feels weird because it feels like you're whoring yourself. Right. But but as a- But it works. It it does. It does. Dude, it's, man, and it sucks because, you know, as a comic, uh, it's not be funny anymore. It's you have to know how to control your social media, which you have have a great feel for. You have a great feel for, for Twitter. Uh, and Instagram and everything and it's like but you have to you have to check all of those you have to do that then you have to book yourself shows and you have to promote this and you have to cut out the clips and put it's just there's so much work
2: yeah and and then the clip thing is a big like I don't know like how much you do it but like I'm trying to now start because I get too precious about I'm like that bit's not ready yet I don't want to put fucking clip of that bit out just yet i think i can you know and and then i i get in my head too much about it and then never do it but then i'm like oh i need to make sure that somebody takes a picture of me on stage so that i can post that so that people can see i'm a working comic you know like there's just this stupid shit that you you get in your head about but you kind of have to do because if i if i feel like oh i didn't have enough spots this weekend and then i look on instagram and i see all these comics i follow posting all this shit and then it makes me feel shitty (laughs) i know you know, know, it's such a weird, like, it's such a weird thing that we do.
0: <laughs> it's It really is. And and to be honest with you, I only in the last three or four months, uh, maybe six, have been posting clips because in New York, all the clubs record your set. And all you got to do nice. is, which is, I mean, and it's in good quality and right. it comes quickly. So you could, you could, if something could happen in the world and you could have, write a funny thing about it and right. then say it that night, and then as soon as I get off stage, I'm emailing, you know, set request comedy seller. And then I'm yeah. getting, I'm getting the set sent to me. And then I send it to my dude. He cuts it up, uh, puts the words on it and I put it online and, and full disclosure, man, I've seen my social media jump. I've seen, yeah. I mean, in the last, I have a clip and this was crazy guys. I have a clip that I posted two months ago that has out of nowhere, just, it's gotten like 300, 400,000 views. And it's just, and I've, in the last two weeks, I've gotten 2,000 new Instagram followers. So it sucks because it's, it's an, it's a joke that I want to do on a special, but realistically, what is a comedy special anymore? Because if, if you're getting fans from social media, they're going to come see you anyway. And I didn't have to spend, you know, $60,000 on a comedy special. I just, I spent 30 and got paid a hundred to it's a, it's a weird, it's, it's a really weird battle. So I I would say, Jenny, if, if you can, you know, try to record your sets and, and, and don't be so married to some of your material. Yeah. The more you get it out, the better it's going to be and you're going to write more and you're always good. You're funny. So yeah. we'll, we'll keep I, I,
2: I just wish like that more, cause I, you know, I follow everyone the comedy seller and I see what they do. And, and I see the quality of those clips. I wish more clubs out here did that because like, I, you know, I, I had a set like a, a bit that the laugh factory, you know, was like, Hey, can we post, you know, they asked me if they could post it. So they had the words and everything. So I put that on my Instagram And it did fucking great, but it was like, I just had this one clip, I just... You know, I go somewhere. You know, another club that maybe records it, but they're like, "Oh, sorry, it doesn't really pick up the audio that well for the audience." Yeah. So then it doesn't sound like you're really doing very good, and then you don't <laughs> want to post like, "Hey, look at me hit this punchline with
0: uh, somebody coughing
2: in the you're back
0: like, or something." You're like, is your ear for laughter?" Is it yeah. like, ah, but they're like really like, <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm like, uh, "I know that was a great set. I know it was. I was just there." But what <laughs> why don't you like throw a couple microphones in the audience and?
0: There, LA, LA is is, is uh, God not to quote uh, Brendan Schaub right now, but <laughs> as as uh, LA is blockbuster and and New York is fucking Netflix because they get it and they're yeah. just like it's like they're tr- they know because all the Improv, the Laugh Factory, and the Comedy Store. The Comedy Store is is going to be fine, but let's say this: the Improv and the Laugh Factory and the haha. Ha, if they want to promote their club. Because you post those clips, you got your sign that says Comedy Cellar. You got your sign that exactly. says New York Comedy Club. You got the, the stand, improv right behind you. You're getting free promotion. So step it up, L.A. Step it up. All right. Uh, let's get it. Let's get out of here. This is I ask these questions to every guest. Um, uh, Jenny, thank you for moving mountains because just oh, a po- you. So pull the curtain back on everybody. So we were supposed to record last week. Then we yeah. we had to move it. Then we were supposed to court record yesterday, and then I got high and went to a meatball competition. <laughs> and Jenny and Jenny had rolling blackouts in Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, and then I also had a super strong edible, and I was like, "Whoa, you went to a meatball festival!" <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I sent you. I send you the the video of the champion belt being uh, being accepted but also it was great too man because actually when we bumped it it was like i had just gotten home i'm stoned i'm tired all i yeah. want to do I'm, I'm watching the boys right now so i'm on oh, season Oh, i
2: fucking love that show so
0: fucking good so oh, fun it's one and of my I,
2: favorite shows right now it
0: really it really is fun they're doing it right and then and then i'm i literally hooked my dog's leash up to take her outside to poop and pee her. and then the new york comedy club hits me up and they're like they're like hey josh we had to drop out Uh, can you be here in like 10 minutes and I live a block and a half away from the club so so anytime they have a dropout they always hit me first Mm -hmm. because they know it's like I I could be there immediately and I went ran over there said something new got the set and and it even worked out even better because I have dick to do today I have a party but I'm like fuck I don't yeah for this is not an American holiday anymore man we're doing so bad a real sad ooh. state of affairs in america all
2: right josh great way to, to set the mood <laughs> positive everything's gone to shit the world's a toilet thank yeah.
0: you <laughs> all right here you go let's ask these questions let's get out of here right. um favorite song on the record
2: favorite song on the record midnight special
0: midnight special i'm gonna say feeling blue feeling ah. blue ooh, 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 ooh. there's a you know i like it because because he he does it i'm feeling blue that feeling blue there's they do this weird little like syncopation in that in that chorus that it's it could be one little thing that attracts me to it um but that that as soon as i heard feeling blue i was like that song's perfect i would say second i'll I'll probably say midnight special yeah um least favorite song on the record
2: Ooh, it's hard to say Uh, i don't know i'm drawing a blank on the ones i don't listen to
0: <laughs> um I am if I don't know if you agree with me oh, really? I see this is what's weird and I know this is going to get some flack out of everything that's on this record mm-hmm. I said oh, side the, of the
2: road I was that
0: was it Side of the road yes but I I tended to skip over more uh down on the corner and I know that's really? it's a great song it's a great song but I've heard it so much that I yeah. think I just was like I don't need to hear this one again Fortunate yeah. son uh, the only reason I kept listening to it is, uh, is is there's these little parts in "Fortunate Son." Like it's almost like it's almost like John couldn't think of a lyric, so he goes, "Ooh," <laughs> he's like, you know, wow. oh, he is. "Ooh, ooh wow. the red, white, and blue, <laughs> we're baba doll, ski Bobadil, ooh, we're down and too." He's like, I do that all the time when I can't think of a lyric. I go,
2: "Ooh." <laughs> I think maybe that's what fooled all the politicians. It's like he keeps saying red, white, and blue, skip it a do. <laughs> skip it and do. Um this
0: is this is my favorite question, and now it's a two-parter. Is okay. this all right, so here it is. All right. First, I don't know it's so dumb. Because I already know the answer to this. Is this a fuckable album? Of course it's a fuckable album. Really? Yeah, why not? You could you you're putting on, and I'm talking you gotta put it on track one. Yeah. And you start fucking. I can do it. Okay. Right. I, I don't know if I would fuck to this record. I would fuck to a couple songs. But here's <laughs> the main thing. If you have... If you just have stop
2: it, and then rewind. <laughs> yeah, but if you have... All right,
0: so if you have a sex playlist, like uh-huh. you take different tracks, what's the one song on this record that is like you, you would say you're pulling off and putting on your sex playlist?
2: Uh, I guess Midnight Special since it's my favorite. Okay. Because you could get a midnight special, you know. It's it all works.
0: I mean you're not wrong. You're definitely yeah. not wrong. I, I would say What about you? I think I think I'm pulling feeling blue because I, I really doesn't it's sound sexy. Like, no, I know, I'm but feeling it's feeling blue. Let's fuck. But it's yeah. sexy. It's a even though it's about being sad, it's sexy. <laughs> it's something about that song.
2: Yeah. It's
0: sexy um all right well, well we'll agree to disagree
2: um all <laughs> and right, I, I said it's the official uh, anthem of uh, <laughs> <fucking."> <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. all right let's do it i got 10 minutes
2: it's like all right chin up sweet girl let's go come on
0: <laughs> and now and now give me your elevator pitch to get uh the our listeners to listen to this record what's your elevator pitch
2: i mean i feel like just saying that i could fuck with the whole album should be <laughs> the elevator pitch i mean <laughs> done. But like, what else do you need? You've got any you humming in your ear. I mean, it's it's perfect. Uh, I and think then, and I, you can, you know, wear red, white, and blue too. Yeah, you can feel patriotic. Wow, uh,
0: I love that, that
2: album? I love
0: that we recorded this on Fourth of July. It feels like it feels apt. It's it feels like it perfect. makes sense. It really is kind <laughs> of perfect. Jenny, promote away anything you want to promote.
2: Um, yeah, well, follow me. Jenny Johnson, high five, H oh. N number five. Oh dewey my dog just says hi Um, Hi uh yeah and just yeah if you follow me i always put where i'm going to be performing and everything so that's it
0: everybody follow her she's incredible thank you jenny for coming on babe
2: oh thank you so much for having me
0: what i tell you what i tell you the one and only jenny johnson guys on all social media i mean this follow her at jenny johnson high five J E N N Y J O H N S O N H I and the number five podcast listen to it doing it with co host Danny Zucker. All right, for new music this week, we have listeners submitted. Holy shit, Kirk Hicks! Thank you, buddy. Uh, his Toronto-based alt-rock band Gordon Lightroom. You're listening to the song I Like The Way dot 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 You Walk Away. And you can find links to the music on our website the500podcast.com And if you're in a band and we're directly influenced by one of these records send us your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com and put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line and we will play your song. I don't care if it's good or bad we will play it. Just submit the song we will play it. Next week is Frankie Sinatra, Songs for Swingin' Lovers. It's from 1956. Do your home. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nomad The Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the
1: road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.
0: Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks With Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, From professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Next Chapter Podcasts.